This is Ray's Rowdy Racing with Caleb Conradi and Dawson Edwards. Good morning, beautiful people. We are Please. live. Back again. We are live <laughs> and well. Oh, God, feels good to be back doing this again. It does. Hey, feels normal. Something feels normal for once. Finally. Let's go. Finally, something feels normal. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, uh, definitely glad to be back. Uh, you can go ahead and tell of... all the folks about your eventful <laughs> last couple weekends. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, so first off, going to preface this podcast by saying I know my audio quality is probably going to be terrible. Um, I just had to go to Best Buy and buy this crappy $10 pair of, I think the brand was, what is it? Gummy. Gummy Plus headphones. Never even, <laughs> JVC technically is the brand, but Gummy Plus. Uh, they're $10, so I probably sound like I'm eating my microphone right now. So apologies for the low, low sound quality. Um, but I'm sure as most people saw uh, a couple weeks back, we posted up a post about needing to take a couple weeks off and we were hoping we'd be able to get back within a week. I didn't realize how much we were about to go through, so that ended up being incorrect. But, uh, yeah, like Dawson said, we've taken a couple weeks off now because uh, as we were coming back from Atlantic City, New Jersey, I got a call from Allison that our house was on fire. Uh, so we uh, we she had to evacuate the house, and we... Got home and pretty much the entire house is jet black. The whole kitchen went up in flames. Uh, the dining room's pretty bad. And everything else in the house was like covered in smoke and soot. And we've been... In water. Yeah, in water from them trying to put the wa- trying to put the fire out. So it's been the most difficult and hectic and challenging two weeks of our entire lives on this end. No doubt. Uh, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a tough situation. I promise you, you don't ever want to go through this. It's a lot, but, um, we've just been spending the last two weeks basically moving what we can out of that house, uh, moving everything over to this new apartment that we got over on the West side of Nashville and Bellevue. Uh, we ended up moving into this place. So if you see a video from it, you may see that I'm sitting on my dog bed on the floor, <laughs> Or Stella's dog beds right here. So, and I got a TV box behind me. It's sitting in the kitchen. There's a lot of echo in here. It's definitely not a professional setup, but I'm just we're glad we're to be back doing this again. Um, one thing I definitely got to say is I think we had probably over 200 different people at some point reach out and say something. I know a lot of people didn't want to bother us so i know a lot of folks reached out to you even i was about to say you're you got you're a loved son of a bitch because i had <laughs> a shit ton of people reach out to me and be like man i don't want to bother caleb like but just let him know x y and z whether it be like we're thinking about him or i want to give him money or you know clothes or whatever and i was like all right i'll relay the message but i yeah. was i was kind of mind blown about that like the amount of people you know that just you know I was like, what the, this is crazy. You know, absolutely. So I just want to say if anybody on here is listening and you said something, I promise you, we really appreciate it. We may have missed a text message or two replying back because there was so much love coming in. So, but we got a lot of help from a lot of folks. A lot of people donated clothes. 
some people donated their time to come out, like Mark and Ashton coming out to help us get some clothes out of there. And we had a lot of folks really uh, step up and show us a lot of love, and we really needed that. So appreciate it to everybody out there that did. Um, we're still in the process of getting stuff out of there and, and all, and can't go into like crazy much detail because there's a whole bunch of stuff tied up in insurance that we're trying to work through right now. So we have to keep a lot of, we have to keep a lot of it to ourselves, but I just want everybody to know we really appreciate the the thoughts and the prayers and the uh, support we've been receiving. It has been awesome. I mean, you don't really know how many people love you until you go through something that needs a whole lot of it. And we got shown a ton. So, very, uh, very appreciative on that front. So once again, we apologize for sound quality, but I still have to go get a new interface, a new microphone, a new set of studio monitors. I got a whole bunch of stuff we still have yet to do, but we're just happy to be somewhere good, somewhere safe. We got walls around us. Stella's got a place to sleep, and we're still sleeping on an air mattress in the living room right now, but we're making it work for for what it's worth. So, uh, so since you're on video here, I assume the uh, old Dell camera made it through it did not nope we are uh i'm just using the one built into the mac so ah so it did not make it through nope i mean the whole studio setup uh the worst part about that was i had spent the wednesday before we left decorating the entire studio i know i've said it on multiple podcasts i was gonna get around to it and i finally did i got the whole sucker set up and you know i came there that wednesday and you showed me you showed me everything i showered at your house before we left yep to uh to go to wherever we went to first last week but yeah you had the whole thing like finally set up the big blaney flag up in the front Uh, all the diecast in the back, you know, have uh-huh. the whole deal set up there. It looks like a sheet metal museum of Ryan Blaney wins up on the studio desk. Like it was awesome, man. I was I was really p- proud of the work and didn't even get to enjoy it for a day. But we lost a. We, luckily, a lot of that stuff I think is cleanable. Um, yeah. A lot of the diecast and all. I mean, it may we may have to soak them in some kind of something, but yeah, I think yeah, yeah they yeah, all ended up with Clorox. a huge thick. Uh, layer of crap on it. I'm even looking at the table that I'm using. It's the coffee table with the beer bottle caps on it that yeah. I know Dawson knows plenty about. Yeah, uh, It's kind of funny. You can see little spots in the table where the heat cracked the epoxy and like bubbled a couple of the bubbles that used to have covered up uh, are now holes in the table. So like it's it was intense. Yeah. It definitely got a lot of stuff. And your, your little studio room there is kind of like in the center of the house wasn't it yep. like the way yeah you know you walked in your house kind of the di- the uh living room then the dining room and then mm-hmm. your kitchen and then right on the other side of that kitchen was where the studio was and i want to say the wall where the all that happened is the studio the wall to the uh, studio no, right not quite it is a little offset the the rooms technically didn't touch the kitchen and the and the studio but as soon as that smoke left, it had two directions to go, either out the front door after Allison left um, or into the bedroom hallway, which the studio is right at the end of the bedroom hallway. Yeah. So it was it was pretty bad in there. Like my, I had a big neon sign for Texas Boot Company from way back in the day. They don't even exist anymore. And it was this big lit up sign. It had the shape of Texas and it said Texas in the middle of it. And that thing completely melted it's like hanging by one 
uh, bolt in the wall right now, melted and dangling down there. All the glass had popped and everything, so it got hot in that room. Yeah. It got hot in that room. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it blows my mind. But thankfully, Allison and Stella had just gone to lay down to bed, so they got out in plenty of time. They didn't have any anything wrong with them so everybody's everybody's okay and that's the important part and uh we're just trying to pick up the pieces and find another find another path but once again i mean thank you to everybody who either sent sent their thoughts or uh said something to us or sent us clothes we got a few things for our kitchen i mean luckily with the amount of donations that we've received it's unbelievable how much of everyday life that we don't have to replace because people are so fast. I mean, they just got right on it. We had so many, we have so many clothes in there right now. I don't even know what we're going to do with all of them. They're all gifted and we've tried them all on and everything and almost everything fit great. So we're on literally this 12 shirt, I think is the one shirt that I didn't have on the road that I know survived. There you go. So I put it on because I was like, you know what? We're going to at least rep. We had a good week. Uh, there at Homestead, so yep. the Blaney fans are going to represent a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yes. But yeah, I mean, enough about the house fire. I know we can talk about that for a full fucking hour if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll pro- I promise you, folks, you don't ever want to go through it, so whatever you can do, make sure that you're uh, prepared in any situation because uh, it would definitely help you out. Yep. Everybody go buy fire extinguishers. Get a- Oh, yeah. Whatever that company is that sponsors John Hunter and Emacek in the Bush series, that's you yeah. can go contact them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, so uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. This weekend we were in uh, we did the Greenville Music Fest, which was the first, I think, the first outdoor festival we did have done all year where it did not even rain a drop. I was didn't so even surprised. Have a chance of rain. It was awesome. Yeah, and it was like. The high was like in the seventies, and like by the time the night came, like I wore I actually wore a jacket all day. Like a lot of guys did. Like there were people wearing long pants and jackets and stuff. Like it was uh, that once the show started, you know, it started dropping down. When the sun set, it was getting down into the seventies and high sixties. So yeah, it blew my mind. That there was no rain on that for that beautiful. day, but it was beautiful. And uh, our buddy Randy Adams was at the show. We didn't get a chance to talk to him, but he was there. He was, yeah. Randy, I, and then I think ran he ran Connor a five k. Yeah, yeah, he did. Connor, <laughs> yeah, he ran a five k and then played. Uh, ran a five k, then came to the show. He actually sent me a video of uh, Travis's talkback was on when the show started. Had to run out there, turn that off. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I yeah. must have left the uh, left the stage at that point. Yeah, he said, he's like he actually knew what it was. He was like, it was was that the talkback that you were fixing? And I was like, yep, that was it. That's hilarious. And uh, yeah, uh, that was that was great all the way around. It was a big festival. Brooks and Dunn headline. My first, that was my first time seeing Brooks and Dunn. I know you you were on tour with them last year or two years ago, so you've seen yeah that, that whole was, deal a bunch. It was kind of funny going back to that spot. I told Dawson in the middle of it, I was like, man, it kind of feels like going back to our roots, going back home a little bit. Because when I started with Travis, we were opening up on a whole like, multi-date tour. And so it was kind of wild to go back and then re-watch the show again now that it's been separated by a couple of years. And I feel a lot more confident since I know what's going on now. Yeah. I'm not brand new onto the road. Uh, it was it was really neat. You get to say hi to everybody. There was a um, one thing I 
honestly, with the with the whole house fire thing, it's I, I by no means am saying that it got overshadowed, but um, we didn't mention at the beginning here that uh, over the course of the last two weeks, not just did the house fire happen, but we actually got home from that run and went over and said our last words to our tour manager, Scott Minkley. He uh, he passed away uh, about. I think it was on that Wednesday. Yep. That Wednesday, Wednesday after morning. Wednesday. The house fire happened. Yes, we came uh, in. It was. Uh, I, I've used the word a bunch, but I just kept. I was like, it's been heavy around the Travis Tritt, you know, camp and crew the last few weeks. Uh, Scott had a year long battle with cancer, mm-hmm. and uh, that that's you know, it's cancer does what cancer does, you know. And it sucks, and, you know, we kind of got the word. He only missed one weekend, though. One, yeah. one weekend, and that was that was it. And he, we, like Caleb said, we got the word that he wasn't doing well. Or, you know, we knew he wasn't doing well, but we got the word that he was, you know, this was, it was coming close to the end. And uh, and then we had, we had already made a plan. We were going to go over there Sunday when we got back off the road. Saturday night, Caleb's house catches on fire. And so, I mean, and Caleb still goes over to uh, – Scott's, you know, they we went and said our goodbyes even after his house is burned down the night before, and uh, obviously that was extremely sad. But he he talked to us, he knew who we were, which was cool. Um, yeah. But then he passed away on Wednesday, uh, that following Wednesday, yeah, the yeah, in the morning, just a couple days later, a couple days later, and uh, yeah, it was you know, it sucks really bad, but. It is what it is, I guess. I really don't know what to say about it. Yeah, and so that's kind of what brought it back up is the going around to uh, back to a familiar camp like that. It was really crazy. Um, how many folks came up and just said something along the lines of like, "Hey, or we've been thinking about y'all. Like, really sorry to hear about what happened with Scott and this and that." Yeah. It's people that we haven't even seen in two years. I yeah. mean, I haven't run across any of these guys since Brooks and Dunn's uh, reboot tour that we were on ended, and that was 2021. Mm-hmm. And so these guys are still coming up to us after all after all that time and saying something to us about it and sending their condolences and everything. I mean, Scott was a really well-respected and well-loved member of the touring community, and it's kind of funny as – distant as we can all be and as far flung as we all end up everybody kind of remembers who they like and who they worked with a lot yeah uh he had he had a lot of folks that when you, that when you do something for 36 years you meet a lot of people you know mm-hmm. and uh that was something else that i was surprised by the amount of people that reached out you know about scott passing away i was i was kind of mind blown about that you know people on the touring side of things at new Scott and then just people, you know, that saw the post and stuff that reached out just to make sure that we were all doing okay. And, you know, so I was just, you know, it's just mindable. Like you said it a while ago, you don't really think about how many people care about you till you need to be cared about. And then, you know, yep. a lot of people reach out and stuff and it's like, man, you know, that's, that's pretty cool that people, people do give a damn, you know, they really do. Yeah. Even and though it's awesome. Yeah. It's, in the in the world of just you know everything's always moving the days go by so fast i know people don't always reach out to people and stuff but yeah people do really care about people and and it's like that luke bryan song uh it's not like i go jam out to it all the time but that song it's like in in the uh, end of the day i believe most people are good you know most people are good people no matter what you see and hear most people are good people so 
Definitely. A week after a week, two weeks after, you know, all that stuff like that. I had another close friend, Cindy. She passed away from breast cancer the same week that Scott did. So it was just, you know, it puts a lot of things in perspective of life and, you know, how all that, just the way life works and, you know, it's just crazy. Yeah. And you still, we still have to have jobs and we still have to play shows. We still have to make a living to pay, you know, pay for stuff. So we, and I, and you know, Scott, I think the last thing Scott Minkley would have wanted was, would be for us to, to cancel a show, you know? <laughs> he, he didn't even cancel <clears throat> he didn't even cancel his own uh his own appearances at his own shows yeah. until it was until it until was the time. very last weekend yeah. i mean that that's that tells you exactly who scott was for sure yeah, i the told you he even went out on that 10 run 10 day run all the way out to colorado being his last run i mean he got he one last it. solid taste of it you know i i know we're kind of rambling here but it's been a while so we can i feel like we got time to talk about all this yeah. but <laughs> You know, he told me, Scott told me about a story about Charlie Daniels. And this was, this was probably right when I first started, uh, because when I first started was in you as well, 2021 and, and, uh, Charlie had passed away in 2020. And for those of you that don't know, I think the last three years from 17, 18, 19 and 20, uh, Charlie and Travis toured together. They were great friends and all of that. So they are really close. And for the longest time, uh, Scott's profile picture on Facebook was him and Charlie all bear hugged up, you know, and loving on each other. And, uh, he had told me, he was like, he said that people ask Charlie all the time, you know, I think Charlie was like 73, maybe yeah. I could be making that up, but 73 rings a bell for some reason. And they're like, why don't, why don't you quit touring? You know, like you've been doing this for, you know, over 50 years. And he's like, man, if, if I ever quit touring, I'll get old and die. You know, I'll get old and pass away. <laughs> and for the first time in his life, he didn't tour was 2020 and he passed away. And he, and you know, they all, they all kind of joked around just saying like, man, Charlie, Charlie called his shot. You know, he, he did, he, he knew what was up and. I feel like Scott, Scott Minkley had that same passion and mentality for, yeah. you know, music. And uh, I thought that post that his sister made yesterday on his Facebook page mm-hmm. was great because it kind of talks about his passion for music and, and how he, all of us are in this way, but like going against the grain and, and going to get a job that's not your typical nine to five down at the mill or, you know, whatever it may be. And, and that's kind of what that post is about and like having that passion and mentality for music and like what you do if uh for those of you that hadn't seen it i'm sure you can go look on scott's page they posted a big long page a great little post about scott and his life and everything so it was really cool to read through it i actually uh last night whenever i came across it me and allison were out on the deck we that yesterday was our first day that we ever did something that felt normal we watched the race (laughs) we cooked a bunch of food i was loving the pictures yeah, we played uh, cards on the porch till uh, about nine, ten o'clock at night, and just tried to kind of have a, a day that didn't feel weird. Yeah, and, um, which I'm I saw sure that was post much come needed. Across. Oh, incredibly needed! Uh, I saw that post come across, and attached to the post was a picture of Scott from 1986. From 1987, six, it was somewhere like somewhere that. Somewhere in there, yeah. And it was so funny to see him because he looked so much different that I actually covered his profile up so Allison couldn't see what it was I said who is this and just showed her the picture and she looked at it forever and I was like 1986 and she looked at it she's like I have no idea I was like that is Scott Minkley right there and it was really cool to see it, it looked like he had just barely started up and started doing things he said it was on a stage that is that I he think yeah that he graduated on. high school on yeah yeah it was really cool so 
man, like you said, it's just been a it's been a heavy, heavy couple weeks on the Travis camp. But yeah. uh, everybody, it's it's definitely uh, bringing everybody closer together. We got everybody kind of supporting each other. I had Nick Nick Gorman was fill about, in I, for me. I was that say, we got to shout out Nick Gorman for helping yeah. us out. That was seriously, man. Thank you for going out there and doing your thing because he stepped into an absolute shit show yes he of did. a weekend with you and scott and everything going on and on top of all this we have a substitute drummer because our drummer just had <laughs> hand surgery on both hands and i mean just what a two weeks for everything to happen <laughs> it's just hard to believe really like we and we all were thinking it like is all this really happening at the same time? Yeah. Like, there's no way, right? And not a single show gets canceled. Everybody keeps doing their job. We make it through. Y'all even had shows with Kenny Wayne Shepherd that yeah. uh, I missed. I was really looking forward to seeing those shows. And yeah, I, that was even more on top of it because in the middle of all of the normal day that you have to do, when you have another major opener like yeah. that, like Kenny Wayne, it's not like he's just showing up and setting up like it's some other any other day opener this guy's a professional he's been doing it for years he deserves a level of respect so we haven't y'all are having to give the stage up sooner than normal and really Man. rush through your stuff and it's all you're doing all that with two different people that are dropped off and one person that's no longer there at all i mean it's yeah, a lot <laughs> it, it was and gosh uh on a on a Semi-funny note, Mills, our photographer, he, he he's a Rome, Georgia boy as well. Um, he comes in, and uh, you know Mills, he doesn't he he's he only comes to shows that were, were that are within like about five or six hours of Rome. That's kind of his yeah. spread that he comes to. His he comes to Chattanooga, finds out Scott has passed away, finds out your house is burned down, and then he's like, "Who's that drummer?" And Mills, Mills was like, what in the world has happened? He just saw us two weeks ago. He just was at a show two weeks ago. And it looked like somebody slapped Mills upside the face. He was so confused. And, I mean, we all had this. We felt the same way. And I was like, Mills, it's it's been a, it's been a week. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's been a week. And he was just mind blown. And I was like, yeah, so are we. That is, I didn't even think about that. I forgot that he was going to that show. Yeah, he came to Chattanooga. I can't imagine walking <laughs> and just not knowing any of this. I mean, I'm amazed that nobody, that word hadn't made it to him yet. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. There was, there's so many people that say, man, I wish y'all had said something. It's like, dude, we've told so many people. We don't even know who we haven't told anymore. It's not, don't take it personal. It's just. Holy well, crap, also, it's what been so much going say? on. If <laughs> you just... straight up just told someone those three Ugh. things, they'd probably be like, man, you're lying. That's a joke. Uh, you're, yeah. you're looking for sympathy. You know what I mean? Like, they wouldn't believe. So, you, you, the, I, I wouldn't. If someone told me all that bad stuff had happened to them, I'd be like, yeah, there's no way. You know? And yeah. I was like, it really did for us. I'm telling you, man. Even Travis said it himself. He's like, man, this camp just needs a break. Like, I, holy Travis crap. said that? Yeah, Travis said that to Jeff uh, the other day. He's like, man, I just feel like the last few days, this camp just needs a break, I swear. <laughs> Ram hey, Rams is making an appearance right here. Look at it. Oh, heck yeah. Rams is making an appearance on the pod. I got Stella right here next Hell to me, yeah. too. You're sitting she's in just bed, napping. You? Yeah, she's oh, just napping. She's napping on the air mattress we sleep on. and The dog's on the pod. I'm recording on the dog bed that she's supposed to sleep on. So y'all just swap beds for a minute. We did for about an hour. 
But man, all that to say, we've had a rough time. We've had a rough go of it, but we're still finding the good and everything. I mean, we're yeah. doing our best. I know this is a very depressing first 20 minutes of the podcast. But... My foot's in my pocket. There we go. There you go. It is, and that's what I said. It, you know, we kind of hey. rambled there, but we've yeah. there's yeah, there's been so much go on. It's been two weeks since we've been on here. And obviously, <laughs> two weeks of absolute you, chaos. Yeah, me and you, we talk every single day of our lives, whether it be on the phone yeah. or a text or we work together or whatever it is, we talk every single day. But yeah, we just kind of, you know, I figured we'd fill everybody in on the the craziness of the last, you know, couple weeks. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, and get past it and try to move forward with it, which is exactly what we're trying to do by recording this podcast. It's just something that feels normal again. And And thanks, uh, everybody, for bearing with us for two straight weeks of radio silence. It just was very needed. and uh, We're just glad to be back, honestly. We are. And we'll uh, we got two more races left this year. So we got this or three this podcast and two more. Um, I'm sure we'll hop on here at some point in the middle of the off season just to shoot the shit. Oh, for sure. Talk um, about some silly season stuff and Or even talk about football or you know, baseball, whatever's on, you know. We're we got a game seven tonight, Monday night football, like there's always stuff we can get on here and talk about. Heck yeah. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we got twelve more shows left on the year. It's gonna be a good rest of the year. We're in through December. Um Let's talk about some racing. How about that? Heck yeah. <laughs> Yesterday was one of the most depressing days as a race fan I've ever had, ever. Dang. I it's, had... it's tough, man. I, that, God <laughs> dang, I felt for you. As soon as it happened, I was like, God, out of all the people it could have happened to, too. Dude, when I'm our rocking... drivers are running up front. I'm rocking. <laughs> I got this. I bought the Hendrick. I got the Hendrick car shirt on yesterday. I'm wearing it the yeah. day. So I got the Hendrick car shirt. I got, I got, a, I got my hat. You got my koozie. I got a coaster. I mean, I'm country I am Larson. Yeah, I'm <laughs> Larson out yesterday. And uh, I know we usually talk about betting later on, but I told you I was like, dude, was like I've done so well on betting all year. I was like, it is crunch time. I'm going all in on Larson, and I did. And I was gonna, and I'm like freaking out, obviously, because I was like, this is Larson's best track statistically. I mean, he's a badass here. Like, it was just like, I, this is going to happen. And I mean, I got he's running a, out front with a five and a half second lead for most led, of the race. Led so much of the race between stages one and two. And, uh, man, I was like, I'm about to win a few hundred dollars here. Like, I'm going to spray beer everywhere. Like, this is going to be that kind of day. <laughs> You're going to piss Lindsay off and ruin the house. And, dude. <laughs> I couldn't believe my eyes, and they're and they're like, "Well, here comes Larson. Look how much, look how much he's gained. Look how much! Oh, boom!" And he hits the. Thing. Oh, I'm I like, know. I, I I couldn't even. I I didn't. I wasn't even like. I didn't even like holler or or like scream or anything. I was like, I didn't know what to say. I just had my mouth open, like, yeah, that really just happened. Good lord, I, I, it was <clears throat> so insane to watch that go down, man. It was. Watching Blaney come down pit road from the lead, I was already like, well, here we go. We're losing the lead here because Blaney fans on pit road are the most nervous bunch you'll ever meet. And all of a sudden you see Kyle coming up and I know Kyle is damn good at driving these cars. So I was fully convinced the whole time that he was just out breaking Ryan Blaney, that he just knew what his car could handle. Blaney was being a lot more conservative. He has more to lose in this situation. He Minus 17 coming into this race, he can't afford a fuck-up. Yeah. I mean, if he messes up once, 
it's a must win at Martinsville, and he's statistically just average there. So seeing that come down the whole time until he hit those yellow barrels, it was I was convinced it was just pure talent, and then all of a sudden I was shocked by what looked to be a sudden disappearance of all talent all at once. And it's just, I even texted you, that is one of the rarest mistakes you will ever see is Kyle Larson running into something without cause. You'll yeah. never see that. Yeah, it was, he, uh, man, I don't know, like I said, I don't even know what to say. And, and I loved how they did the little graph, you know, on speed for him and Blaney. Mm-hmm. Neither yeah. one of them were doing anything crazy. It was, no. they, Blaney was about five to six miles an hour slow to get in, but he just said, like you said, he can't afford to speed on pit road there, so he's going to take it easy. And then Larson was coming in at a very normal speed. It just looked like super high rate because he was slowed down. But yeah. neither one of them did anything wrong. Like, it's their prerogative yeah. to do what they did. For and sure. Just, the exact timing and way. I mean, if if Blaney is 10 foot farther, mm-hmm. Larson's fine. You know what I mean? Like. Exactly. I mean, he just, he, Larson he just, even said it whenever he was interviewed in the garage. He said, I didn't expect Blaney to slow up at the rate that he did. Not saying he did anything wrong. I just didn't expect that. Yeah. So the way I judged my braking was off of what I assumed he was going to do, not what he did do. Yeah. And it that's what happened. And, and when it happened in real time, I didn't notice that he hits Blaney and then the pit wall. I thought he just I. hit the pit I, wall at first. I thought the same thing. And then I saw he hit him. And I know they, they talked about it maybe affecting Blaney's race. But, I mean, realistically, if you looked at that last run that they had, Blaney was coming back. Blaney was catching back up and then just ran out of time to do it. His car needed a solid 50-lap run yeah, and to these fully cars... show what it was capable of. And it was starting to show. He just didn't have enough time when he battled, battled with Byron at the end. So, really, that damage didn't affect him all that much. Maybe a little bit on a restart. Short run speed, it might have done something. But on that long run, I really don't think it was as drastic as it could have been. So. Yeah. And two years ago, those cars would have been absolutely destroyed. Both of them. Blaney's oh, race yeah. would have been over. But the car It looks like just... a damn parachute hanging off the length of my arm out yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> and these cars, I mean, even though they're t- they do crush more and all this, like, just to hit the pit wall that hard and then to hit Blaney as hard as he did, like... It didn't even look that damaged. Now I know the tie rod was broke and shoved all the way in up, you know, up underneath the car. And uh I was kind of trying to explain that to Lindsay yesterday. It's like on the outside of these cars, like even in the Denny wreck, like they don't look wrecked. She's like, "Why can't he go?" And then you got, you know, the tie rod and, and tow mm-hmm. links and all this stuff. Like that stuff breaks and all that, but it is crazy, man. These cars can hit the wall and hit these barrels and hit other cars so hard, and it like doesn't really do anything. It's like, yeah, kind of blows I mean, my it, mind. But it definitely affects the arrow in a certain way. But realistically, but it's eye, not the it's it not the way. Look, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look horrible. It doesn't unless look you bad it, unless they zoom in on it. You can't really see it. Yeah, it's just crinkling. Yeah, it's awesome. It's crazy. I loved it. So it was a. But all in all, uh, I hate it for you, man. That was a. That was a huge, huge mistake there. It was. That doesn't really, does it really matter in the long run? No. It just sucks to know that your driver is more than likely going to win this race as long as nothing happens. Yeah. And I actually, I forgot that I sent you that message earlier today, that day. I only said, person no that one, can beat him? <laughs> only person that is going to beat Larson is Larson. I think I those are the exact words. I thought about that when you sent it. I th- or like when it happened, I thought about you sending that. Yeah. I got to just find it here. Uh, 
Man, I sent you that way early in it. Only person beating Larson is Larson. Yeah. What time did you send that, and then what time uh, did I text you, MFR? Uh, let me see here. Oh, it's got a, it's up past the Dale Tanhart picture. <laughs> That's for sure. Man, I can't even find. There it is. No one. Be, I said. Hell fucking yes, man. No one beating Larson but Larson. But, man, this is great because that was whenever the 12 took second. Yeah, and was we were right talking about our running guys running one and two. That was at 3.08 that I sent you that message asking if the Spectrum guy came and finished your uh, yeah your fix. Uh, and 4.01. <laughs> Let's see. A little less than an hour. Th- 3.56 was whenever it happened. So a little less than an hour later, I went Damn. from saying no one going to beat Larson but Larson to Larson beating Larson. Larson beats Larson. Man, I hate that that prediction came true. Me too, man. <laughs> I, uh, man, just just imagine now with me. We got this awesome multi-groove racetrack in South Florida. Like, imagine if that would have been the championship race. And it would have oh, sucked. It been awesome. It would have sucked for me and you. Yeah. But I mean, holy cow! If we're gonna have one, like, I wonder why it's not there. It would, it seems like it'd be a great idea to have it at this nice track in South Florida. You know? Ah, uh, I think I, they were even talking about that on Denny's podcast a couple weeks ago. Man, I think it's just gonna be really tough to move it. I think they're gonna find any reason to tell you why that it can't be moved. Uh, it sells out every year at Phoenix, and it's I. But see, my it, I, I agree it's with the guy that made the, the point about Vegas selling out if it's if it's the uh, the end race of the year. Wherever you put it, it's going to sell out. Yeah. Whether it's Vegas or or there or or Homestead or wherever, you could put it anywhere, and it's going to sell out. I think the reason why I don't want it there is because there's no. St- there's just always a way NASCAR will find, okay, we're going to put the race at Homestead because the product's so good, so we're going to change the product now. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the racing would suck. Yeah, that's the most NASCAR shit of all time. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm with you. I used to not like Homestead as much because it was so green flaggy. It just it, it trends green. And nowadays, I love that. But this my, car runs so well at mile and a half, you know? Like, it, it makes does. it different than what it was in 2017, 18, 19, yeah. and wherever and all that that's when I started life. hating it yeah. was back in 2018, 2019, and you'd go out there, and it would be one person in the lead by 15 seconds, nobody even challenging it, people trying to do something on pit road and only making up one or two of the 15 seconds they were behind. So it was one of those things where it's just like this track is a driver's racetrack. Nobody's going to wreck here doing something fully stupid without somebody else being involved in it. So there's not going to be a whole lot of just cautions pop up in the race. Uh, it just takes a it takes a two-car mistake for that to happen. Nowadays, I love that, though, because with the way that these new cars are, it just doesn't seem like those giant leads are as easy to maintain. Yeah, because everything, everything is so it. close. It's just yeah. rare now. It's, so it's I'm with you. I think it would be a great, a great championship race. But as long as they just keep going there and as long as the race really matters, I love it for what it is. Yeah. And it is fine. 
I mean, if if I had my druthers, we wouldn't even need to talk about a championship race because we get rid of this whole playoff format. But <laughs> yeah, I, we can talk about that for an entire podcast. Maybe yeah. that's what we'll do over the winter break is just complain about things for an hour at a time. Yeah, to everybody <laughs> else will in be NASCAR the championship does. format. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. It was awesome. On Gluck's poll this morning, or uh, said yes, and I was like, the nose are probably just Larson fans that were pissed. Probably. <laughs> and Blaney fans, angry little Penske fans. <laughs> yeah. So I tell that story. You got to yeah. tell me that. You never, I didn't see where it was. I just saw that you had gotten called that. Blaney uh, goes on uh, the radio and says, F you, dickhead, talking about Blaney, or talking about Hamlin. And uh, I commented that on Facebook, and someone calls me an angry little Penske fan. I died laughing when you said that. That that was so funny. Dude, I got to run <laughs> to the restroom real quick. Give me two seconds. All right. Just, anyway, I'll take over. Talk, yeah, you can talk about stuff. I'm going to talk about Blaney here for a minute. Uh, while you, Since we're talking angry little Penske fans, I'm going to talk Blaney here for a second. Uh, I just couldn't. <laughs> I saw everything going down. With Blaney on this restart with Hamlin, I completely said everything that Blaney was saying. And I have to say, been a fan of Denny's podcast, been a lot bigger of a fan of Denny lately because I get to actually get to know him a little bit more. And so am I a Hamlin fan by any means? No, but I've gotten to the point where I like him a lot more. And watching him go down there was just an example of the reason why I can't be a Hamlin fan because he gets himself in these situations where he tries so dang hard to make something happen. And granted, apparently something was breaking on his car, so maybe there was a reason for it. But when he washed up the track and about took Blaney out, I knew that was the end of our chances to win the race. And I just, I slumped so hard whenever that happened. And watching him run third place for the rest of the race, which I know there was the restart after Hamlin hit the wall. Watching him run third place for the rest of that race just irked me a little bit, and I really was hoping he'd be able to get up there and make a huge move for it. I love that he finally did make the pass to finish in second, but man, that was a race that I never in my wildest dreams saw Blaney running well at. And suddenly here he is running in the top five consistently all day. Awesome, awesome performance from the 12 team. Just something I did not see coming from them. And really proud of the day that we ended up having. I can't believe Seabell ended up coming out there and winning the race by the end of it. Uh, that was a complete shock to me. But, man, good for good for Seabell. Once again, the playoff magic continues with him. I did not have him picked for my final four, and here he is. He's going into it. So somebody's getting upset, uh, and we'll find out who that is. Come up next week, since we have only one more race to go before the, uh, before the championship race happens. Um, but yeah, as a, as a, as a Ryan Blaney fan, man, we had a, we had a great day and we really made a lot happen going from negative 17 outside looking in to coming out of it plus 10 was the result I just did not see coming and very happy that it happened. Uh, moving on into Martinsville, that just isn't necessarily one of uh, 
isn't necessarily one of our better tracks and all. So we're uh, we're hoping that we can come out of that and make it into the final four somehow. I just I honestly I'm I'm gonna be extremely ecstatic to see Blaney into a into a final four situation because it'd be the first time in my uh, NASCAR NASCAR viewership that, that something like that it would have happened for him. So it'd be really cool to see it happen. And I am uh, very stoked about it. Very stoked about the idea. Uh, we also had Tyler Reddick running up there up front and coming in right at the last second. It was it was looking like it might turn into his kind of race. I was uh, very impressed with the drive that he managed to put together there at the end. He ran kind of mid-top 10 all day long, uh, but managing to come out of there with a third-place finish was uh, was pretty impressive. Riding up on that high line is definitely something he's good at. So watching him and Blaney battle for it there at the end was a really neat thing to see. And uh, looks like I'm back. Dawson's made it back. He survived. Sorry about that. Yeah, my two-minute ramble. I can't wait to listen to it when I go back and listen to the pod. Heck, yeah. You'll hear me going. You'll hear me running out of ideas of things to talk about. <laughs> I'm sure. Okay. Really quickly. All right, so back, to, calls. <laughs> back to the angry little Penske fan. So Angry little Penske fans. I had to run there in the middle of my story. So uh, when Blaney... And they were battling back and forth, whatever. Blaney says that he, like, halfway made a slide job, happened twice, but never, like, fully completed it. He said, like, if you're going to do it, like, send it all the way. Don't just halfway send it. And so when Denny wrecks in front of him, he says, fuck you, dickhead. And uh, <laughs> I died laughing. And, yeah, so great. I mean, that's awesome. And uh, so Blaney... They either post the wreck or Blaney's interview, whatever it was on Facebook, and I just comment, "Fuck you, dickhead." Dash Blaney, and it got. If you're one of the first people to comment on a video, I guess people are more prone to see it, and so it starts getting you know ten or so likes and a couple responses, and then a guy's like, uh, just calls me an angry little Penske fan, and I was like, "Yep, that's me," <laughs> with yep, a bunch of me. with a bunch of uh, laughing faces because it's like. Obviously, not I'm not a Penske, Penske fan at all. And <laughs> not I even a Penske guy. Two shits less about Penske or anybody out there. So it's like, just, God, there's nothing better. And we, back when some of those TikToks and we were posting them, still trying to figure all that out now. But, you know, people are calling us dumbasses and all this and saying funny shit about us. Like, I love it. Like calling me you an angry little Penske fan, I was like, "This is this is perfect." I was like, "That's the name of the podcast tomorrow." That's, I mean, that is that is ideal. That is hilarious. As soon as I opened up the notes and I saw it said Homestead, angry little Penske fan, I died laughing. Yeah, I mean that's that is the that's the name right there. Yeah, angry little Penske fans. I wasn't. I just said it in my two minute spiel, but I was an angry little Penske fan when. Denny Hamlin was running us up the freaking track and sending us back into third, fourth place. And that's what Blaney was pissed off about, too. Yeah, so screw you, dickhead. I have, I like Hamlin, don't get me wrong, but damn, dude. Like, yeah. that was some slack here. Yeah, he does That shit's unbelievable. Um, Denny yeah. and choking at Homestead, man. It's just two things that go together. It does. And, it, and not that, <clears throat> my exact words where I was like, not that, mechanical failure is Denny's fault necessarily, but it is just the most Denny Hamlin thing ever to happen. He, he chokes like the Falcons choked the Super Bowl. 
Like yeah. he, that's the reason they say Denny don't choke and dear Denny on his podcast. And he knows it. I mean, it is what it is, but he plays it off like the, the championships, you know, this throwaway thing, whatever, a gimmick. And like, in some ways it is, but you know, he wants one so bad. Oh, he doesn't care how it comes. He doesn't care what format it's in. He just wants one. So people would shut up. Yeah. And it, and he even said, uh, in his post race thing, he's like, if this is what ends it, you know, this is, this ends it, you know? And he's like, we, they're talking about Martinsville being a must win. He was like, yeah, we prepare every single weekend to go win. And he's great at Martinsville. So, yeah, I mean, he's a short track guy. I, yeah. I totally could see like something happening there. It could um, be one of those deals where it's like, if he would he if he won, would you be surprised? No. no. If he didn't win, would you be surprised? No. It's just one of those kind of fifty fifty toss up bets, as they say. You know, both yeah. of them are. You know, I it just I don't know. It's just the most Denny Hamlin shit of all time, really. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, he's he's only sitting 17 out, and we just saw Blaney come from 17 out to 10 in. So it's, it's totally possible he comes out here and makes something crazy go down. Yeah. And makes it, even on points, not even having to win it. But, he's, so. but I don't know how – I don't really know how they run Martinsville strategy-wise, but it kind of sounded to me they're going to have to decide what they want to do before the race starts. Yeah, do you want to go after points or do you want to go after uh, track position? And that's what that's uh, the vibe luck. I got off of his of off of his uh, interview because he knows just as well as we do, and everyone else that has ever watched a short track race in this car. And what we're going to talk about next week is you're going to get to Martinsville, and whoever wins the race off pit road and gets that first down in the first corner, yep. they're going to lead, and there's going to be. Hardly no passing. Yep. And it's just That's exactly what I'm thinking. We've talked about it so much on this podcast, and we could talk about it to her blue in the face, but they, they're they going to just run, and they're going to say track, track position, track position, track position. They're going to say that so much on Sunday. It's going to drive you crazy. Yeah, but they're, it's it's all you can do. Tires don't wear out, man, and they don't start wearing out till like lap eighty, eighty-five. If I'm, if my memory serves me correct. Oh yeah, they don't. They don't. And, uh, I saw uh, Josh Berry's tire cording coming off of the Homestead track, and I said, "Oh man, I miss those days." <laughs> true, true. They and it just doesn't happen, you know. And you can go. They're gonna have. They're gonna be so many two tire and no tire strategies at martinsville next week mark my word to get off pit road first and get yeah you can win we saw it last earlier this year ryan priest everybody's like damn ryan priest is leading like hell gets a penalty on pit road he is the fastest car by miles Mm -hmm. leads the first like hundred and something laps whatever first pit stop he uh gets a speeding penalty or bad stop whatever it was you didn't see Ryan Priest the rest of the day. And he was like, dude, Never heard is, of again. My car, he's like, the car is fine. The car is fast. You just can't pass. Yeah. Because you can't knock the crap enough out of somebody to move them off because all they got to do is shift yep. and they're right back into it. Exactly they can get right. all that torque that they lost from getting out of the groove right back and just hammer down and come off the other end of it. And it's like, well, what the heck am I even doing out here? The only You're- way you can pass someone at Martinsville is to – do like Denny did to Chase back in the day and knock him completely out of the freaking way and blow him out through the outside wall. <laughs> and now I don't even know. Like this car, you just said it, the, the way this car is and the back and front bumpers line up so well, 
you can send them off into the corner and it just knocks the guy into the next guy and you're right. So you're going to wreck them or they're just going to gear down and go. There's, we see it a lot at the clash. They've been doing it at the LA Coliseum, but the guy four, four cars back would just hit the car. Boom, 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 you know, domino effect. Mm-hmm. And then the fifth, sixth car, there's enough energy finally through it where it just boom, spins them right around. Yeah. It's exactly how it's going to go, which I'm not looking forward to that particular part of it. But you know what? There will be something. It's Martinsville. It's an elimination race, and eight cars need to get need to do well to get in. It's going to lead to something happening. Yeah. Like, it's just maybe this is just me wishful thinking, but man, something's got to happen here. So there has to be some major development. I hope so. They'll they'll. I don't know. Uh, we don't even have this in the notes, y'all. So this is just us nope. talking. We, it just the short track package is so bad. I'm just going to keep saying it. Short track package is so bad until they make some drastic change, whether it be horsepower, the gear ratios, or tires, which probably should be a combination of three. Ain't nothing going to happen because just like I said the other day, Justin Haley said they made all those changes. He said if I didn't know, like you didn't tell me this is what you did. He's like the car feels exactly the same. I feel no different. And so it's just like, golly, mom. Yeah, because they're trying to affect the arrow on this thing. Like, the arrow is going to fix the problem. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are we worried about arrow at short tracks anyway? Like Exactly. The only time error has ever helped anyone out is when Martin Truex lost his right front fender. And the Dale only Jr. time error ever helped anybody. Yeah, and keep Dale. that right front. Keep that right front cold. Cool. Yeah. That's about the only time error has ever helped somebody at Martinsville. Anyways. 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 Uh, anyways. Well, I, my bad. On Back to on, the task on the uh, on Martinsville, but we have we we'll have an hour and a half to complain about Martinsville next week. I can't wait. Um, I say this all the time about my strat my check boxes to check for like a good NASCAR race. Yesterday was one of those for me. That's like what I loved about it. There's comers and goers, different strategies, great racing. You got you got stuff happening. Even though it happened to Larson, you got stuff happening to guys like Denny Larson, a blown motor. That's yeah. So. It just had all of those things to me that make like a good race a good race. Like that those those are good. You know what I mean? Having natural cautions, guys wrecking, the guys up front being, you know, great battles. You know, there was at one point in the race, the top five, you could throw a blanket over them. They're all racing three wide in the front and then two guys like this behind. So just overall, like checks the boxes for me. That's why I say Hell, I wish they raced Homestead a couple times a year and did the you know the final race there. I, I love yeah. Homestead. I really wish they would go to Homestead one more time every year, and uh, that would just make my day. Especially now with the way these new cars race on it, just because like what you said. I mean, the whole race started out with Truex and Bubba Wallace. Uh, didn't see either row. of them coming front row, racing side by side for about ten straight laps before finally they had to one had to give way to the other. Yeah, and they both fell like, back to the back. Yeah, it wasn't. It was awesome to watch. Um, crazy, crazy finishes for some crazy for some people. That caution coming out when Larson hit the barrels was one of the most difficult cautions to explain to somebody how screwed up the race got because of that. Yeah, because that caution came out, and still some of the better cars ended up back up front. So it just told showed you like the strong cars do make it where they need to go because you can't and, pass at Homestead. Yeah, because of the ability to pass and everything else going on with it. I was trying to explain it to Allison exactly what that meant for because she's a Truex fan and she was like, 
why is this going to screw Truex? And like having to explain to her, this is before the engine blew up on the thing and it didn't matter anymore anyway. But didn't it blow up right after that? Yeah, right. Uh, right. They went under red flag and then it blew up under caution laps coming back to green. I went to the bathroom and came back and Lindsay hollers. She goes, Truex says if he turns his car off, it might not crank up again. I was like, what? I come around the corner and there's white smoke coming out the tailpipes. So I was like, oh, he, yep. I mean, that's it. I mean, once yeah, there's smoke done. coming out the tailpipes, you are done. Nothing more to be done there. But, yeah, okay. trying to explain to her that, oh, yeah, they were in the middle of a green flag pit cycle, and it was only a few people had pitted, and they were trying to get an advantage by coming back out on the track sooner with newer tires to make up some of that lost time. And now he's back in 18th. Trying to explain that to somebody is really difficult, but that is one of the more old school things that has happened on a NASCAR track in a while. And especially, so I was trying happens. to explain like to how the wave around works and how lap down cars have to line up after the lead lap cars and all this. Is like it's just it's nuts. And, and that happens a lot at a place like Homestead, places where tires matter drastically you will see guys run long or short pit and stuff like that Mm -hmm. next week at martinsville you're not you're not gonna have that and that is it's hard to explain but it's kind of what they're trying to say and i semi get this but they're trying to say with the daytona being the first race and atlanta being the second race having like you got this big audience of like you know probably 10 million people will say watch a Daytona 500 and you know an average cup race averages at like 2.5 ish million like 4 million on a high note and then like 2 million ish I'd say so they're saying you want to have all these people come tune in the Daytona 500 and they you know see that race in a plate race and it's just crazy mm-hmm. and then you know they used to do the west coast swing right after and you go see Las Vegas or whatever race used to be second I can't even remember and it would be a completely different race than what you saw, and it would confuse new fans, like the new fans that saw the race, and like they don't understand what's going on. Like I thought this was NASCAR, but you know this. And to me, that's what makes NASCAR cool is having all this different stuff. But to your yeah. point, is what I'm getting at, like trying to describe it to a different, a new fan of like what short pitting is, and like Hamlin's strategy of running, you know, the full 41, 42 laps, and then then pitting, you know, splitting stages up in half. And then they're saying, I know this is a long explanation here, but they're saying like having Atlanta, the second race, you have two races that are like semi-similar, you know, yeah. they kind of look the same. So maybe when they, the first, that new fan watches Daytona, they see Atlanta and it's the same track or same type of racing, but Atlanta is going to be a, you know, a hair different, but nothing, nothing crazy different. So that was a long explanation for that, but. You know, that is a thing people run into in NASCAR. New fans not understanding the, how drastic every track is different. You know what I mean? Yes. Absolutely. Every type of track. You got your intermediate, short tracks, super speedways, all that. So it's, it is, that is an interesting fact to describe to someone that's new. And I've done it with Lindsay. I remember doing it with you back in the day. My brother in law, Dylan, you know, explaining it to new people. Like, it just once you get your head around it, you got it. But sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes a second. It does. I mean, it's kind of, it's hard because it's, it's the only sport I can think of where every single week somebody may have an advantage just because the particular way yeah. that you're competing in the same sport is so different that this person's going to have an advantage over this guy. I mean, it's like saying, 
I mean, with football or baseball, really the biggest changes that are going to happen is the weather. Is it a cold game? Is it a hot game? Is it raining or is it snowing? And home field advantage. And home field advantage will yeah. affect it, but you're still playing the same game. The same guys are still going to be good at the same things. And see, just, so what Lindsay, guy, it'd be like you're raining one day, so who's going to play better in the rain? Probably your running backs. Those guys are going to have a better game. But then all of a sudden you go out on a really warm, sunny day in the middle of Middle of July, your receivers are probably going to have better stats than your running backs that day because they're going to have the ability to catch more balls. Like that's that is the only way that you can possibly equate it to somebody. But it's like NASCAR; you're going to a different track every week. The situation's completely different, and where your skills really shine is going to be different. And it just isn't something that you can compare to another sport. Well, thank God they're not playing football in July because somebody definitely died of a heat stroke. No, probably, but you know what I you you know what I mean. Oh man! But see, Lindsay, when I we, when I was explaining her like super speedways and not going below the yellow line and strict plates and all that, like her exact thing to me was like, well, basketball, you know, they're all playing on the same court, and football, you know, they all the fields are the exact same size. I was like, you know, I never thought about that, even though they are obviously. I just never thought that would be someone's counter argument to NASCAR every single week being different. Yeah. Every single week is different. So it's, it's, I mean, on one hand, I think a lot of times people get way too focused on the Daytona 500 as winning new fans because I've watched a lot of Indy 500s since I became a fan. I pretty much watch it every single year. I try to at least see a few laps of it. You know what I also haven't done a whole lot of? Watch the rest of the Indy car season. Yep. It's not anything against it. It's just I already have my thing that I watch, and I already do this. But if you're going to have a major spectacle – I mean, absolutely, you can make me more of a fan of somebody by him doing well or telling me a story about him and this and that. It's a great moment to get eyes on the sport. But if you're really trying to win fans, that's where me and you come in. The hardcore fans that already exist, you got to keep them entertained because they will bring two to three friends along for anything that they go and do NASCAR-related. Well, that's how you win your fans. You make it- so I think it's, it's, it's less about the order that races go in on the schedule. It's more about how well you engage each track with your hardcore fans every single week. That's what you're really looking for. And, and I think you make a great point because I follow some people on uh, social media that are, that are pretty big indie fans and maybe just kind of fair weather NASCAR fans, you know, maybe kind of like we are, we love NASCAR, catch a couple indie car races or whatever. And they're running into that right now. They promote this Indy 500, you know, the month of May, all this stuff. They have taken away, they have taken away all oval racing for the Indy IndyCar series. So they, really? so they, yeah, because it is so dangerous, and it is dangerous, and they talk about it, it all the I time. Mean, but incredibly like, dangerous. But I mean, you just said it like that. You promote this thing, but this thing only happens once. You have a twenty-something race schedule, and they're all on road courses. So like. Yeah. The thing that you're known for isn't even 10% of what you actually do, which is so ass backwards. Which is exactly what we do with the Daytona 500 in a way. No, you're 100% right because there's only six of those a year now. Yeah, and it's it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I love the Daytona 500. I love restrictor plate racing. Those are all really, really cool events. And we should capitalize by trying to make them as big of an event as possible. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think people get a little bit caught up sometimes thinking, okay, we've got to make sure that anybody that watches this race becomes a new fan of the sport. It's like nobody's going to just magically become a fan of your sport because you had one cool race. Yeah, You've got to have 
somebody you've got to have that hardcore fan that they know that is going to spread the word around. I mean, that's, that's how things really spread. You can market the hell out of something and get a whole lot of eyes on it. But if you want those eyes to pop in next week, you probably ain't got the same budget to market a race at Sonoma as you do marketing a race at the Daytona 500. That's exactly right. So you got to make sure that whoever it is that's watching those races is a hardcore fan. That's going to get people interested just like you did for me. And you've just mentioned three other people. So and that's how you spread the word. That's how you get it out there. And I think that's that's reasons why these homestead races being so good, these mile-and-a-half races being so good, if they're going to make up a bulk of your schedule, give us a good product. So when we show up with our friends or we watch the race with our friends, we can show them what it's like to really enjoy a NASCAR race and talk about it and make it interesting, make it fun. That's how you win your fans. Just give totally. us good product. And you see – you. Lindsay and Dylan being the two people I talk new racing with all the time, even they, they watch road course racing and hate it. And it's <laughs> like, like, why is it so bad? Like, why is it so different? I'm like, I don't even have an answer for you. I really don't. Like, I, I know what, you know, what I think, and, but like, I, I can't even fake it and say, man, I love this. You know, I think they hate it's, it because of the new car at the new track. Cause this is the only road course racing they've ever been able to see. No, 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 I no, no. love that the road is, course That racing. is why they hate it. That's what I'm saying. Like the racing is yeah. so bad. Just like you, it is literally follow the leader. So to them, they're looking at it like, well, why is this so bad and so different from an X, Y, and Z? Because even yeah. them just watching it for this year, year and a half, they already have their t- their type of tracks they really like, and and if it's that obvious to brand new people, like why is it not obvious to and and the driver? It's obvious to everybody, but people fucking NASCAR, I guess I don't know. But yeah, it goes but, back to what I said that one time, where it's like, man, the the sit- dudes in suit and ties are making decisions the guys in fire suits should be making. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great quote, and it really is, and it's just you know. You know, three years ago, I'd have been like, man, give me seven road courses in a season and fuck mile and a half. But that's not the world we live in today. And it, yeah. and it, and it does not. And that seems to be the world. The foreseeable future is what we have right now. And we have said on this podcast, like, let's capitalize on that then. Like, let's, yeah. let's, ca- the plate racing has been cool. They've seemed to do that, even though if they're saving gas and they're saying that's why the racing's great, I don't care. To the eye, like they say, it passes the eye test and, and it works. So, like, yeah, you might be have to save gas and run 70% throttle, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, we don't know that. Just, you know, mm-hmm. do what you got to do. So, they got they got mile and a half some plate tracks figured out. Let's either one, and I hate that I'm saying this, but one, we got to weed out some short tracks and weed out some road courses, or we got to fix the car. Uh, they need to pick one. <laughs> they need to pick one because I feel like for the last 10 years, we've been chasing our tail and the tail keeps running away from us because as we try to, we almost get the tail by getting the car right finally, but we move the tail away by making too many of the races, the things that this car doesn't succeed at. Yes. And then we try to add those races back, but then we change the package of the car. And it's like, we're chasing our own tail here. We're pull, We're both the one NASCAR is both pulling the tail and chasing the tail at the same time because mm-hmm. they keep trying to fix one and the other they need to figure one, out yeah focus on wanna, one thing and fix that yeah do you do you, if you like the schedule that we have now logistically then let's fix the car but if you think that the car is fine and we just need to fix the schedule like pick one yeah but i think the car is the i think the car is what needs the work 
And I think that's what we should put the work into because realistically, the schedule is not a bad schedule. It just looks bad at certain times because we have too many races. This car does not race well at in a row. Yeah. So let's make the car better. I feel like that's a little bit easier than trying to change up the way the entire sport works. I've I've told people all the time, and then not all the time, just this year. But like, and then Dale Junior kind of says it too now. You can't keep promoting Bristol. You keep telling these people, man, you got to go to Bristol. You got to go to Bristol. You know, if this is if this is your, you know, trying to bring a new fan to the sport, you got to go to Bristol. It's like you you can't say that now. Like if I brought a friend to Bristol, they'd want to leave by the time the fucking before halfway, you know. And he, yeah. that's why Dale Junior says now talking about Atlanta because it's so unique. He's like, dude, Atlanta's the hottest ticket on the market, and I. It Atlanta's been awesome. I've, and I said it the very first race. I was like, I like New Atlanta. I got to go there, and I was like, I like New Atlanta in person. Like, I'm here for it. And then Dale Jr. says it, you know, and it's probably going to be sold out two times next year, even though mm-hmm. it is probably going to be 30 degrees. And I like 30-degree races. I found that out this year, too. I like cold races over hot races because hot races are just the most brutal thing I've ever done in my whole life. Yeah. You can warm back up, but you can't undo a sunburn. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, you can only tell me Bristol is good so much before it's, I see what's on the track, and I've said it on here, it's like pissing on me and telling me it's raining. Like, it's just yeah. not going to work. <laughs> it's so true, man. Um, and here again, so we're off on the damn car again for the last yeah. 20 minutes, and that's, we've just, I mean, it is what it is. We're back, first one back in a while, but we're just rambling. We're, we're just rambling. And it's We're fine. just excited to be here. I enjoy it. I'll um, tell you, I didn't, I didn't think about uh, just, you know, Bell has his little handful of wins. I had no idea that this was Bell's first ever win on a mile and a half track. That was kind of yeah, surprising to me. that blew my mind. When you, when you put, those, put that into the notes, I got to really thinking about it. I was like, man, you're right. He's won on the dirt at Bristol. He's won on a road, road course, course. Roval. Won at New He's Hampshire. Won at New Hampshire and... Martinsville. Martinsville, has Last you got one year. of those? Gotcha. He got into the that, final four go. last I year mean, at Martinsville. We that said is it, odd. We said it on this podcast uh, when the when the playoffs started. We talked about Bell and the playoffs going together, and we it was one of the first drivers we talked about how the playoff schedule just kind of leans into his driving ability and it, and it just the way it works out. Like three races at a time, they just kind of work out to Bell's you know abilities and. We didn't have him on our list, but we said, like, it could happen, and here it is. It happened. You know, and, like... It's so strange, man. It is. I, what is it about... What is it about it? These certain tracks. You can go through and have such a... Just mid... Not even mediocre. Like, better than mediocre. He's doing fine. Yeah. But just mid-race. Uh, just this very mid-season. lackluster season yeah just like he just kind of there you know through the round of eight and now into the final four two years in a row i mean last year he definitely was a lot more impressive throughout the playoffs so i'll give it to him but like i just never would have picked bell as a final four guy all the way through the season and he just finds his way and there no one like, else would have last just year find either. your way there i don't get it so it good for him i mean if he as long as the 20 makes it into the playoffs i'm just gonna start writing him in as a free lock on the top four <laughs> yeah no matter what else yeah. is going I on i mean you do something once you can call it a fluke do something two years in a row and it's like oh this this falls into your wheelhouse yeah this is this is a real thing for you here yeah and that you know it's crazy i'm here you know I'm, bale's just kind of like a 
you go to a race, there's not there's not a, there's not no Bell fans, there's no Bell haters. It's just like when they introduce him, no one makes noise, which is Woo. not really what you want. And as a race car driver, you want him to either be screaming or booing, one of the two. Yeah. So I don't know. Bell just kind of falls in the middle. He's a hellacious dirt track driver, and I think he deep down really, really, really wants to go back dirt track racing. You know, we kind of talked about that on here before too. But uh, he says it makes him better, and he's maybe he's you know trying to figure out how to maneuver this thing you know get better without being allowed to race dirt track cars yeah he's got to i mean that's part of the deal if you want to be a nascar driver you make a lot more money than you do if you're in dirt and so it's kind of it's up to you do you want how bad do you want it and this is your team this is what you're stuck with and make it work and here he is in the final four two years in a row so big winner for homestead is christopher bell and that race even was a great example of what it's like to be in Christopher Bell's shoes. You run average all day long and somehow come out with a win. Yep. It's like all that right, race man. was like his, <laughs> his, like his season. Yep. Something else that uh, kind of blew me away, and I want to go into a little deeper dive into this than when I just put in the notes here. The only driver to finish top five in both next-gen Homestead, ra- homestead races is A.J. Allmendinger. And then if you dive a little deeper into that stat – A.J. Allmendinger, statistically, his best mile-and-a-half track, oval track. Uh, not yet, yeah, not just mile-and-a-half. It was oval track, so count that counts all ovals, uh, intermediates, super speedways, and uh, short tracks. Uh, Homestead is, is his best track. Average finish, laps he's led, all that stuff. That doesn't, count, awesome. doesn't count his road course stuff, just his oval track stuff. In the Cup Series, that doesn't count Xfinity either, but I was uh, – I don't know. I don't think about AJ Allmendinger being Mr. Homestead and not, not that he's going out and dominating races by no means, but he has a bunch of top fives and a bunch of top tens in his career at Homestead. So he's definitely got that, that Homestead feel of, I assume ripping the fence figured out. He's got something going on there. I bet him on a top 10 bet and I'm wishing I'd put him top five, but I never saw that one coming. I'd listened to dirty Modo the other day and they were talking like, yeah, actually he's statistically pretty good here so a top 10 for him isn't too far out of the question and it was at plus 500 wow so he just wasn't picked to do a great job at this racetrack and, and so I think you I put, put that like, down mm-hmm. perfect that's i ended great. up i ended up doubling my money this week at uh at homestead Hell i only yeah. won i won one parlay and i won this aj almondinger top 10 bet both of them netted me double my double the cash i went into it with i'd completely zeroed out my account and came out doubled so i'll take it that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I I didn't expect to see that either. It's something about it. There must just be something about the way that it has a multiple grooves that he can just adjust to that with the road course knowledge. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass, but yeah, something about it. He's say, got it figured out. Yeah, they always say Martinsville is a great track for him too. So he might be another one to look at just because it usually leans into road course racers a little bit more it's just all going to depend on what college puts underneath him i guess yep but really uh, cool stat very very neat very neat little tidbit to pull out there yeah i thought that was like really it. cool something else like just going into the playoff guys we there was you know some we three of the guys that we picked for the top four had problems you know larson we've covered that already uh hamlin had a steering break. I originally thought he just blew a tire going in the corner. That's what it looked like. Yeah. But I think they said tie rod. I want to say tie rod broke. I can't remember. Maybe that was Larson Drake that was tie rod. Maybe it was a, a, uh, 
I didn't actually ever hear what exactly happened to that. So something I can't broke really... in the steering. They do know that, but it was never. I, th- I want to say it was tire. Either way, I can't remember. And then we hit on Truex had a uh, blow up, engine. and he he has just had just piss poor playoffs. All all eight races so far have just been not good. Yeah. There hasn't been one high note for him this this last eight weeks. Not one single. You know one. it's bad when you got the when you got the broadcasters talking about you like man, he made it to the round of eight. Simply off of uh, regular season success, yeah. and the postseason has just been a travesty for him. Because if they didn't do it to themselves, it just happened to him by sheer dumb bad luck. Yeah, it, it's been it's been bad. It's one of the worst uh, eight race spans in his whole career ever, including bush racing. Everything like the worst eight weeks he's ever had. Yeah. And, and I'm starting to wonder if the, him and his crew chief are sticking together after. Dude, the did you hear what he season. said on the radio? He said, "I'm sick of this shit. I'm not doing it anymore." Yeah, I was like, somebody posted on Twitter is like, "The Truex just announced his retirement mid race." <laughs> I don't, I don't see it. <laughs> well, he announced he's coming back, you know. But that was he was all smiling and having fun over the summer, and he's like, "Oh, well, you know, we're coming back," and like, you know, that's cool and all, but. Man, if he would have had another season like this, the last eight races remind me of what he did all year last year. If he had yeah. another, if he had a season like that this year, Truex might have just said, fuck it, I'm out. He might have, but I, I hope he doesn't. I like seeing him in there. He's a, he, he seems like a genuinely good dude, and I like watching him race. Totally. Allison's a fan of him, so... Uh, it was my. He was the first guy I was a fan of. So I hope. Well, I hope we don't see a Martin Truex Jr. retirement in the next two years. I think next year it might be the retirement tour. I'm not. I really uh, do think that's next year's it. I also I'm tired said of retirement tours. I also said this year was the last year for the Roval when it's coming back. So I'm probably wrong, but just yeah. I'm just. He's only doing one year deals, and he's definitely only going to do it till he has fun. You know, if he quits having fun, I think he's done. Mm-hmm. If the next, yeah. if any, next year's anything like the last eight to ten weeks, he's probably you know, out of this deal. Um, yeah, I'm wondering what's going to happen to James Small, but we'll yeah, find they, out they about that. A, they have an interesting relationship for sure. They um, do. They like to play it off, but that's it gets a little bit personal at times. I'm yeah, like, God dang, this is wild. I also, I don't know if this is like the first time ever this has happened, but it's definitely a wild stat. Larson leads the NASCAR in DNFs, but also leads NASCAR with the most top fives and has tied for most wins in a season. Talk about checkers or wreckers for Kyle Larson in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> He's either dominating or, or in the he garage. is in the garage on the uh, going through an infield care, in care center. It's crazy. Check it up. I don't know what is up with that, but that is a – that is – that's insane to be leading in both of those categories. I don't like I said. I don't think, I've never heard of that before. So to be, I mean, I don't know. That's crazy. I think he's just going into it with a mentality of I'm here to win or nothing else, and it works for him. I, I, you hear Denny talk about it in a really cool way, and I think you can kind of expand upon it to use it for other guys. But your level of risk management is completely different from driver to driver. Where one guy is like Larson comfortable going in off of the wall as close as as close as possible um trying to get maximum speed out of every corner they talk about and then you guys it, like you just he larson is just going to go balls to the walls and he either wins races or bites him in the ass and i've heard denny talk about mm-hmm. him that way in that same way 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, somebody like Denny is going to come on the wall a little bit lower, and this and that. They're just going to they're going to race completely differently, and the race might look like it turns out the same way for both of them. They're both in the round of eight. They're both having great seasons, uh, similar success. It's just it works better for Kyle to be all in at all times, and it works better for Denny to be a bit more reserved at times and not take all these chances. He's going more for consistency. Larson's going more for results, and it's obviously working for both of them in a certain way. It's just really, really crazy to see those two styles put side by side like that. Yeah, it, it's, that's that's a great point. I've never really thought about them being that different, but I mean, they really are. They are completely different race car drivers, and they both have great statistics. And you know, yeah. this would, you know, having eight DNFs and like the old points would absolutely kill Larson. And mm-hmm. in the playoffs, he can, you know drive i guess the way he does so maybe you could all you could probably fight this battle too the playoff system works better for larson and then the old point series definitely looks better for a guy like uh hamlin even though yesterday i follow a page and you should totally do it if you don't uh it's gotten super popular over the last couple years but it updates the points in the winston cup format and it's just Mm -hmm. for fun and games but they, they even have the old graphics, like the, the exact way they used to post them back in the day. And uh, I want to say Byron took over after after the DNF yesterday, Byron took over the lead. But Hamlin has led most of the season. And like you said, it's because Hamlin is a very consistent race car driver. Yeah. It's very it's it's how you accrue points over the course of a season for sure. But problem is we're not in the points Winston don't Cup really series. matter. <laughs> yeah, that's what, we're points not in the really Winston matter. Cup series no more. It's all about the win. I mean, the, the points can help you out, but a win is the only way to guarantee anything. So I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's the reason why Kyle Larson does so well in this playoff format. Yeah. He came along at just the right time for his driving style. It's because he's going for the win. He does not give a damn about your points. Yeah, he he's not a. Is, what you need. I'm cool with running fifth kind of guy. Yeah. Which, uh, do you remember on Dirty Mo when me and you first started listening to that this year, I want to say they talked about that because me and you had the same conversation. You are talking about betting. He was like, if you're going to bet a guy like Larson, who pretty much runs top five every week, it's better to bet him on a top five, or a win than a top five. Because if, mm-hmm. if he doesn't win, he's probably not running top five. And I yeah. remember them saying that, and we had, they, like, we had this conversation, I think before we even had this podcast, just talking about that. And uh, it's kind of what we're saying right now. You know, that's a, it's just a very smart betting way and just knowing what you're talking about way to look at it. Like, that's just the way they run, you know. It's the way it is. When, and, and a guy like Denny, you know, he's going to get those top fives, which obviously Larson runs top five, you know. He's got the most top fives in the in the league, but I don't know. Either yeah. way. It is a cool note all the way around. We were uh, – um, yeah, we talked about Martin just having a terrible playoff yep. right there. And we got Denny. Denny and MTJ, there is a way, like you said, he could point his way in. Denny could go into Martinsville, but it's like Denny and Martin are both great at Martinsville, but if I had to pick a head-to-head, I'm taking Denny every day and twice on Sunday against Martin mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, if you're just going yeah, purely <laughs> based off yeah. of – What's been going on lately? I don't care what Truex's stats are at Martinsville. I have lost my confidence. My man is ice cold. His ability, yeah, he is worse than ice cold. I mean, he is worse than Chastain after Nashville right now. He, <laughs> he is, yeah, buddy, truly. 
I, I don't get how he's managed to make it this far in the playoffs racing as poorly as he Me has. Neither. And I don't see that just getting suddenly flipped because we're at a track he's technically good at. Yeah, I don't either. So I mean, there's just been there's a dark cloud following that man everywhere he goes, and it is raining constantly. It might they uh we're, we're gonna see too with what Denny decides to do. Like I said, they kind of talked about whether they're gonna run for points, run for the race win, whatever. They're gonna be making some crazy calls. We touched on it. We don't have to go into it again. I know, but their track position is gonna be key. So they're gonna have to figure I out think- what they're doing. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a determination that they're gonna make a race day call race day on their call. strategy. How they qualify is gonna determine it. If he qualifies really well, I think they're gonna initially go for points. I think if they qualify really poorly, they're going for the win. And if they get into this race and it gets, I bet you you're gonna find out what their strategy is right at the end of stage one. If they end up taking some wild pit strategy to get track position that could possibly ruin the long run. They're going for them. They're going for that win for sure. But it's, it's, you're not going to be able to know until the race comes, because I think it's going to, it's going to be determined by how they are running through stage one that tells them whether they're going for points or whether they're going for the win. Yep. But it's going to be so hard for them to make that call until after that point. Yeah. It's just, it's going to be Martinsville is going to be interesting in that aspect. Yeah. Just on what they all decide to do and how all that goes down. Uh, one of the last things that I had in the notes here to talk about and touch on was, and I kind of talked to you about it yesterday, something has kind of went on with the Fords in a good way. It has trended. Uh, Blaney ran great yesterday. You know, RFK, they usually when they run, it's like both cars run well. This is the first time I can remember all season where the six ran so great or either one, just one ran so great and one ran so bad. I mean, Busher ran awful. I mean, he yeah, was he was on a donkey. He was he believe was it. terrible, and uh, I didn't see that coming at all. And the six had a great car. He just hit the wall too many times and had some issues there. But yeah, he had a great car. And then the team we've shit on all year long actually ended up finishing having a decent day for what it was. They had a ninth, eleventh, thirteenth, and seventeenth. And the team I am talking about is SHR. Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know. And the highest finishing one was Almirola, my favorite driver. So Your favorite driver ever. Yeah, man. he really killed it there. Uh, 11th was... Uh, <laughs> he really killed it. 11th was uh, Harvick, 13th was Priest, and 17th was Briscoe. So, something, something. I, I'm not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not crazy. I know RFK has been dominant forward all year long, especially the last half of the year, three quarters of the year. But something has happened you know I th- I, they, that shock thing something they're doing something i don't know what it is but hey the yeah. boards have looked better in the last two weeks and they've looked all year so that's I don't, that's good I, yeah i know everybody always says man if you're gonna have a good moment have a good moment towards the end but i don't think they were talking like within five races of the season being over i think <laughs> we were talking more like maybe at the beginning of the playoffs maybe yeah. we we're gonna find something yeah it's like i i love it as a blaney fan the man, there was a whole lot of Fords that got eliminated out of the rounds yeah. as it went on because it took him so long to find whatever it was. But I agree with you. And I mean, it, to I'm put it in loving perspective, it for my guy, but it is screwed a lot of others. To put it in perspective, this was Blaney's first top five outside of Talladega since he won at the 600. Gross. <laughs> so it's it's been a it's been a climb. You know, what I mean, it's been a it's been a 
stretch to get the forwards there for sure. I know, man. I really genuinely thought that we would know that Blaney would be out by the end of the Homestead race. I think in my mind, we were going into Martinsville with a uh, man. What a good season. I'm glad we did it. <laughs> He's in now, though. one race away, but now there's, there's a genuine level of hope. The only thing we haven't seen so far is what this new Ford looks like on a short track. Yeah, if they have can... found something new, Hope to God it translates. Hope to God we can come out of here with a good result because all he's got to do is just protect his point lead. Yeah, he's got to get stage points. He's got to get stage points. So there was a time, I can't remember when Bubba was in in the same sort of situation, but it's like kind of that if you can average fifth to sixth in each stage and a fifth to sixth in the race, you're going to be all right. But you can literally do what Busher did last week and finish 11th, 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 which is a great day overall but you're going yeah. to lose your ass on points. So, like, yep. Blaney having just a top ten if, – if if guys like hammering them to get points now, obviously this is what I'm saying, but if Blaney just runs 10th, it's probably not going to be enough if those other guys get points. That's my that's my biggest problem with Blaney only being 10 points up is that Truex and Hamlin are both really good at Martinsville. So all they got to go out there and do is just be Truex and Hamlin yeah. at Martinsville, and they will get stage points. Yep. Blaney, I don't know if I can say that with the same level of conviction. So he he does have to go out there and have one of his better Martinsville races. And he's got to protect that points lead however he can or hope to God both of those JGR guys have problems because, yeah. I mean, and even Reddick, that's another guy to worry about. You, gotta, you just got a whole herd of people behind you that are all capable of surpassing you. By yeah, 10 points, I think it was the last the week they were talking about Busher finishing eleventh. He was the lowest finishing guy in the eight out of the eight. You know, eleventh. You know what I mean? So yeah, if you're not running eight, pretty much eighth or better, you're getting beat pretty bad in the way just because the top eight men are the the best eight of the year. You know what I mean? Like those are the guys that yeah. are that are and having the best average there. finishes. They're going to run there. Like they didn't just get to the round of eight. You know, we kind of joked about Truex, but Truex had an incredible regular season that's got him there. I know the last couple of weeks have been bad. The last eight weeks have been bad, but he's still one of the best cars in the field. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just one of those things. I didn't have anything written down about trucks or Xfinity. I didn't really, you know, get too deep in those. My boy Clegg finished seventh. I know that. Yeah. Had a top five bet on him. I had a top five bet on Dale Jr. Jr. That hit, which was cool. I've hit. I've I've made three bets on Dale Jr. this year, and two of the three have hit. So it's pretty dope. Yeah. Um. It sounded like you had a good day betting yesterday. You doubled your money. That's, I did. That's great. Yeah. I had a the Almondinger top ten, and then I had a parlay set up. Um, both of which were underdog picks, but I picked Chase Elliott to beat Chris Busher, which was a brave pick, and I know it was a brave pick. But the only thing in my head was. Man, Chase could just definitely come out here and have a fairly good day at Homestead. I could see that happening. I'm going to pick the underdog here and go with Chase. And he didn't have uh, a good day. Busher just had no, a horrible he, day. He didn't have a good day. Busher just did have a worse one. Yeah. And so it worked out. And then I had Eric Jones beating Daniel Suarez because Eric Jones has been on a hot streak, and Daniel Suarez probably is looking at his last two rides in his current equipment. <laughs> Man, he's calling his eyes too. It, it, it talk gets about more talked about more and more. Different headspaces, but I think Daniel Suarez is like a negative one thirty favorite for that matchup, and I was like, no way, yeah, no way. Eric Jones doesn't come out here and at least get a couple positions higher than him. Yeah, 
I don't even know what the result looked like. Let me see if I can find it here. But I knew for a fact there was no way that Danny Suarez, with his Danny lack Suarez. of <laughs> lack of next year commitment rise, was going to beat Eric Jones. Uh-huh. Eric Jones finished in 14th, and Daniel Suarez finished in 16th. There you Chase go. Chase Elliott finished in 15th. And beat Chris Busher by a, a whopping good few positions. I think Busher finished like in the 20s somewhere. 21st, yeah. yeah. 21st, so six positions there. Yeah. So, yeah, I ended up winning that parlay and the Almondinger top five bet, um, or the top ten bet. That ended up being a solid day for me, so I'll take it. I uh, kind of said on here earlier, I bet differently this weekend than I have all year. I pretty much just put all my money on Larson that I would normally bet on a race. I did two little parlays that were goofy, but – other than that, it was all Larson for me, and would have been a huge day, but it wasn't in the cards. But and sandbags. Speaking, speaking of Larson, it. the uh, what you're saying about hack of the week, the award you, uh, the award nobody wants, but you got to earn the hard way. Let's go. Here it is, giving it what to my favorite got? driver, Kyle fucking Larson, Ooh. for being an absolute idiot. <laughs> Getting on pit road. I mean, I didn't. We did not pre-plan this. We didn't talk about hack of the week at all before this started. I haven't even scrolled far enough down to see that you put. Kyle. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Oh, I wish I could read that. But... Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> oh man, dude. What I wrote in the notes is not podcast. Uh, no, that is not podcast material. But probably holy can't crap, say that on the pod. Is, is it funny? Is it true? So <laughs> Larson, he's got the crown. Uh, I don't really have any. I, we went in all in at the beginning. I don't have nothing else to say about yeah. Larson screwing up that. The hack bad. of the week award is so unpopular; it even burned in the fire, and I didn't even try to save it. Damn. So, not uh, not we're not running with it. I had uh, uh, I thought for trading paint. Uh, I loved that twenty three, the Grimace car. The I thought Grimace it was car. awesome. The little flames on the side, like it just yeah. fit perfect. The Grimace car was great. I thought the 45 looked stupid. I hated the 45 car. It just had a bunch of, it like a zebra. I didn't really get a good look at it at any point. I never really paid too much crazy attention the to 40, that car. The 45 was the Hamburglar. So they had the Hamburglar yeah. and the Grimace, you know, Grimace. together. The Grimace car looks so awesome, and the 45 literally like a zebra. So he gets my not trading paint. And then for an honorable mention, uh, yeah, this was cool. I agree with this, this was cool. Harvick's 2014 throwback Budweiser championship car. They even put the yellow number on the roof. I was like, that that was the icing on the cake. You know, that was when he won the championship. I was like, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was really neat. And that commercial that ran in the middle of the race with him, him talking to Josh, Josh Berry was awesome. That was incredible. I mean, they as far as I can tell, they were treating this race like it was the last race he was ever going to run. And I know it was emotional because it was where he won his championship at, but man, it was that was a really, really cool uh, moment. Yeah. Giving a lot of credit to Kevin Harvick for what he's done for the sport. It's going to be sad to see him go, but thank goodness he's becoming a broadcaster, so we don't have to worry about missing him for too long. Yeah, he'll be right back at Daytona, and I mean, it goes without saying, Kevin Harvick's a first ballot Hall of Famer legend of the sport with like sixty plus wins and you know a championship and just everything the dude's done. You know, he's he's a He's a legend. So everything they do for him is cool. You know, they, they Rodney Childers gave the command to start engines. They had him lead the field there for a minute. And I'm sure Phoenix, where he's is his best track statistically, dude has like a million wins there. Uh, I'm sure Phoenix, there's going to be big time stuff going on at Phoenix. Yeah. I'm ready to see what the throwback no car, what they do. I'm ready to see all that. That'll be exciting. Yeah. Getting closer every day, man. Yep. 
But so anyway, uh, I guess yeah. we're going to look forward to a good Martinsville race. I just looked up Blaney's stats there at Martinsville. I was completely wrong. He actually is pretty strong there. So there we go. I think it's going to turn out to be a good day. I think it was like he finished in the top five twice the last three races. And uh, hoping and praying he stays there. I am, dude. I am. So it'd be a fun weekend uh, if Larson and Blaney are both fighting for the title. So. I would love it, man. It'd give us something to argue about. And it finally, would. I'd get to watch my driver in the top four for the first time, first time ever. ever yeah. I'm excited. I'm very nervous. I'm excited. Let's let's hope it works out for us. Hell yeah. I need another die cast to wait a year on. So, <laughs> well, All right, people. It's been an hour and 31 minutes and nine seconds. So uh, we'll go ahead and get off here. Quit talking. Uh, as always, my name is Dawson Edwards. You can find me on Dawson Edwards Music across the board. Uh, Raised Rowdy Racing yeah. is on everything across the board. Caleb. And I'm at Caleb Con Rowdy. Uh, you can follow me and follow my house fire cleaning up the bullshit journey. <laughs> it's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But All thank right. you guys for yeah, listening. Y'all Hope for y'all listening. enjoyed it. Yeah. Peace. And go out and live the hell out of your life. Yeah. God damn it. Tell people you love them. Yeah, do that. We love y'all. We'll see y'all next week. Love y'all. Adios. <laughs>